what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, entrepreneurs, innovators, CEOs, hustlers, people in and around the world that are, you know, they're really dedicating themselves to the journey. They're building on something they believe in. They are definitely anti-status quo. All of you usually are that listen. And every week we bring on guests that they're the same as you and I. They're, they believe in doing things differently. They're building something they truly believe in and are passionate about. Um, sometimes the vision is not understood until all of a sudden they're there. Um, and I mean, understood by everybody else. And as you guys know, I say it constantly until it gets ingrained and hopefully it is, we don't glamorize or glorify and success because it's not overnight. And quite frankly, success is different in everybody's eyes. It's not, it's not as linear as everybody makes it out to be. Right. Um, especially if we remove metrics and we start putting into more of the, you know, are we doing what we really want to be doing? And how are we impacting the world in the process, right? So I'm um, very grateful to be doing this every week. Uh, I'm Matt Gottesman, as some of you know, and some of you who are newer, they're going to know. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Matt Gottesman or at HDF Magazine, where a lot of you guys first got introduced to me at Hustle Sold Separately. But at Matt Gossman will lead you to any other number of things that I do. Uh, and also, I really, truly appreciate each and every one of you guys constantly reaching out. Um, uh, five years running, I'll answer each and every one of your guys' texts, DMs, emails, you guys name it. Um, sometimes I think it freaks people out that I, <laughs> that I actually respond back. But I appreciate you guys, and it, it means a lot. And uh, we have another great episode today, a gentleman I've been wanting to have on the show for quite a while. And we finally got uh, got the time set up where we could do so. Uh, David Spandorfer, and he's the co-founder and CEO of Janji. Um, and it's a, it's a clothing line, uh, specifically for runners, but I say for everybody, and I'm sure he does too, actually, <laughs> especially since I, I've gotten complimented on his clothes, uh, repeatedly as we were just talking about. And, um, you know, we're going it, to, it's, it's a perfect timing of this episode because of the previous guest we had on, um, the show, uh, the, the previous show from this, uh, where we had Dean Carnassus and, uh, you know, an ultra marathoner, right? So, um, but now we're going to kind of switch from how running went from in a mindset to running and entrepreneurship, right? Uh, and cause there's just, there's so much symmetry across all of these topics anyways. And then also we're going to talk a little bit about the evolution of a socially conscious brand. You guys know how I feel about this. And we've had other guests talk a little bit about, um, the socially conscious brands, uh, whether they built them or working with them and the importance of them, especially in the world that we're living in now. So, uh, give uh, just a quick bio. As I mentioned, Dave uh, Spandorfer is the co-founder and CEO of Janji. Uh, originally launched as part of a college business competition, uh, Janji is a running brand that's devo- uh, devoted to allowing runners to explore, connect, and change the world through running. Uh, every season, Janji goes to a different country around the world, meets with local artists, fabric makers, and designers, builds a line around that country, and then five percent of the uh, sale funds a clean water project in that country which I thought was actually, I have never heard of any company doing that. So I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm excited to actually talk about that as well too. And then today, Janji is sold in over 300 running stores and has given thousands of years of clean drinking water to people around the world. So Dave, thank you for, for being on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's really great to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, so uh, great having uh, an ultra marathoner as we ended, the, as we added, as we ended the last episode, him specifically saying, ask him if, if he if he has or hasn't heard of me. I love their brand. I love their clothing line. Like that's amazing. That you're having them on, and so and here we are. <laughs> when I asked you right before it's the so show, cool. right? So that that timing of things. Uh, looking forward to putting you guys in touch together. But I, I want to hear about your story. Um, what? How did we get here? Like what? What? What happened? You know from. You know, you can go as far back as you want, whether, you know, pre-college, going into college when you did the business and then how it expanded from there and, and, and the why. You feel free to go go all in. Yeah, as you, as you touched on, we came up with the idea for Janji in college. Uh, I ran college. I ran cross-country and indoor track and outdoor track and it was a really big part 
of my life. It was, it was a big part of my life in high school, and I loved what running had done for me, right? It had created all these connections. It had allowed me, in college, you know, most people sort of stick on campus, but as a runner, you're able to like really see the world around you. And you're able to make all these connections with all these amazing people, even though running is kind of an individual sport, right? You're kind of like, it's really up to you how fast you run, how, how slow you run. But being part of like a team and having these connections really allowed us to you know, think about running as, as this much bigger whole. And sort of stepping off campus allowed us to sort of think about running as like this, as this tool to explore the world. And so then going into my, my senior year in college, we, uh, we had the idea for Janji on, a, on the bus to a track meet and, and, and after a track meet. And we started typing up on a Google Doc, you know, this, this concept of, of Janji. And then the next year, my senior year, we applied for a business plan competition. We entered a class. We won the business plan competition. We got an A in the class. And then that sort of gave, you know, even though we were like comically unprepared to start this business, <laughs> that gave us like, that gave us like a, you know, like a decent foundation to, to get this thing started. And then also sort of the funds to, to buy the initial, the initial prototypes. That's, that's amazing. So walk me through when you said, even though it was, we were comically unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I'll put it this way. So this is, you know, we're, we're designing running apparel that's supposed to be extremely performing and I was a history major, and my co-founder was an urban studies major. <laughs> so here we are with just, like, no useful skills in the real world whatsoever. Certainly not when, like, making a running apparel brand. And yet, you know, what, 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 this, what this business plan competition allowed us to do is it forced us to sort of think through what does a company look like? Mm. What does the product look like? What does a customer look like? What is the, the the person who's selling the store how does it how does it compare to the market and you know it gave us these these skills to develop that that piece and you know perfectly all the credit due to to the school they went to Washington University in St Louis without these two components of this business plan this classes you know of course we would never have gotten this started uh, and so we launched it we launched it right after right after we graduated. And we launched it in a few of these running stores around the country. And that sort of allowed us to sort of take those next steps. And over time, and really in the past like two years, we've really honed it on the brand and developed something uh, what we think is pretty special. Well, you know, um, in fairness, even though I, I, <laughs> there's a lot in there, though, when you say, well, <laughs> you know, a what was it, a history major and an urban plan? Yeah, yeah, urban, exactly, urban exactly. I mean, but the thing is, is you were the customer. So sure. you already have um, a an experience with the market because you're the person ultimately that's going to be catered to. And then the second thing is is that you know sure. we often try to force ourselves into other areas until we fall into our purpose. <laughs> so, I right? completely agree. Completely, I mean, and that's 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 true, right? Like we you know, we have an idea based on sort of these preconceived notions of, of what we should be good at, what we should be doing. And you sort of look at the people who have had very satisfying careers and rarely does it start with their major in college, mm -hmm. right? Like rarely ever does it start with, you know, what you decided to go in on as a freshman and, you know, when you're 18 years old and you have no idea how the world works. And, you know, for us, it was, you know, even, even when we getting this company started, um, we weren't clearly, we didn't clearly, Mike and I, my co-founder, didn't know exactly who would work on what, mm. right? Like we didn't, none of us was like a designer. None of us was like a finance person. None of us was like an operations person. And over time, you know, we sort of gravitated to the things that we were best at, the things we were passionate about. We sort of found that, that, that circle of, you know, what we, what we could do that was actually valuable to the company and valuable, you know, in terms of, what we could present to the company and over time we've diverged but in the beginning you know we were so passionate about what we were we were you know this was a brand designed for us and our teammates and the people who we knew would care about using running as a tool for social good and over time it's definitely evolved you know, a little more a little more sophisticated than something that was like about like running clothes that were designed from flags which was the original concept our our shorts were designed let's say the kenya shorts designed from the kenya flag now as I work with artists, it's 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 much more of a 
a complex and subtle design process. But that just took evolution and skill building that would just that, that was that was, you know, with the years in the making. Absolutely. You evolved and expanded in each of your own individual roles, too, that like now you're prepared to be able to have the, you know, let's do artist collabs and let's do, you know, big brand partnership or well, not big brand, but like big partnerships. Absolutely. You know, you bring up what you bring up the reality that I think happens for most people. And I'm going to say what it is here in a second. But a lot of times people. Oh, this guy, he was the, you know, just finance all the way. So he, we made him CFO and this guy, man, everything for him was all about operations. And this gal over here, she was all about, um, you know, marketing. She was a marketing guru. She, she took over on the marketing, but I love the authenticity of the reality of most situations, which you guys had, which was, we didn't know who did what or went where. And I was hoping you could maybe expand on that. How you guys, how you guys figure that out together cohesively and, you know, fluidly in the process because it can be frustrating for a lot of people, A, to, to not know, you know, what their role is, uh, and B, that you can get a little clashing along the way, <laughs> you know, because like, yeah, you know, what's totally. fun for one may not be fun for another or what's fun for everybody and everybody wants, but there's still other things that have to get done. Like, how did you guys, how did you guys figure that out together? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's something like looking back on, it, it's, uh, it could have been a lot worse, like you were saying. You know, one thing I think both of us were was selfless in terms of putting the company before ourselves. There you go. Um, and the way that things sort of changed is, you know, in the beginning, I was in charge of the marketing, like doing the Facebook ads and all these pieces. And over time, we just realized, like, you know, Mike was someone who had a better eye and and better intuitive sense of this stuff. Was passionate, and he also had. He had, the, he, he had the desire to want to, you know, really be proficient in this skill. And another thing that's happened, of course, as you grow the company is you, you do hire people for the things that you are not as good at, right? So an example of that would be we, you know, in the beginning, we were the ones really putting together the creative and we were, you know, Mike was a little bit better at it than me, but we were both like pretty bad. And quickly, we hired someone to take over because we knew this was such an enormous part of what would make John successful is the creative piece, is the art direction, is the design work. We hired someone to take it over. And then over time, we sort of evolved that that role. And that person took on more and more responsibilities around like email creation, around site design tweaks. And we sort of gave that up over time and sort of focused on the things that we were good at. And, and even like when I was in college, I wasn't like a finance person. But I really did gravitate toward more of the numbers more than Mike is. And we said, okay, like, let's, like, let's like sort of think about this org chart. Who, who wants to do this more? And if it was neither of us want to do it, we essentially just said, okay, who's going to suck it up the most? <laughs> right? I mean, it was, it was one of these things where it's like someone's got to suck it up. And if, you, if we both care about the company more than they care about like our, you know, ourselves on that day-to-day basis, we're going to know that eventually we're going to hire someone for it. So eventually we're going to hire a bookkeeper. But in the beginning, it was it, that came down to, to you know to, to me doing all like the account the, the, the basic basic like QuickBooks work that was just incredibly uh, numbing uh, <laughs> in so many ways. And and yeah, you just you sort of pick those things, and over time you you outsource what you can outsource. And that 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 process did take us a while, and it just sort of played itself out organically. You know, before we, we talk about the whole socially conscious side of things, um, I want to take note that you said we were both just very selfless. So it, it allowed you guys to do what was right for the company and to have open conversations and to visit, you know, each activity is, okay, who's going to suck it up on this one? Like, oh, I'll do it. But it allows safety for the conversations to be had and not just stop there, yeah. but it be had again like, hey, so... How is it going with the numbers? You know, no, not good. Actually, I'm trying. You know, like I'm trying to figure this out. Like, what do you recommend? Or, or, or actually, it's going really good. I don't really like it, but like to be honest with you, I'm, I'm kind of finding a stride with it. You know what I mean? Like, it allows the safety yeah. for that conversation to have with with co-founders. So that I give you guys a lot of credit for that. The selfless way, I think, is really the the only way when it comes to building something together and in tandem with anybody. Um, so, oh, go ahead. it's sort of interesting. Like, I've never, I've never really actually haven't thought this much about sort of the past and sort of what led us to that. And I've never like talked about this publicly, but I think one thing that's kind of interesting 
is the fact that when we were in college, we would like train together, right? And as you sort of train together, there's part people, you know, we sort of switch off in terms of who takes this harder segments as someone can essentially draft off of you, right? So if you sort of think of yourself going around the track and someone is in front, they're, they're taking the brunt of the wind and it sucks, right? And someone's in the back, they're having a rough day and they're sort of letting the, the, the person sort of break the wind, allow them to get through those tough stretches and you sort of you sort of you know depending on who's got a bad day or depending how people are feeling you rotate and that i think really kind of laid the foundation of sort of how we gave out these roles it sort of came from this this knowing that we that we were willing to like physically sacrifice for each other mm. during during track and cross country and that allows us to sort of professionally in many ways sacrifice for each other if you had to parallel running to entrepreneurship and it's uh, similar qualities, if you will. If you could, if you could pull out the nuggets of similar qualities, what would they be? Oh. Well, <laughs> you know, you can always go for the cliche thing, like you know, it's a marathon and not a sprint, right? Yeah. But you know, everyone kind of like knows that and says that, right? You know, some some of the other interesting things, uh, you know, some other smaller things is you know, you you put together, and this happened a lot, you know, in in high, you know, high school and college, and even after college. There are people who really put together uh, a long body of work, you know, season after season. They are like really just like grinding it out, and they are working. And you know, there's you know many times there are people who just they just don't see the results that quickly. So sort of t- you know put this in mind, like you know, take take two you know in like a college cross country team or or even like afterwards you take two people, you know, both who let's say are, are 18 years old. And they put in the same amount of work. They stay healthy. Every day that they're working, one runner is going to probably be better than the other one. But what happens sometimes is sort of the the results of all that hard work can come out three, four, five, six years down the line yeah. just because of that continual grind, that continual sort of pushing things forward. That that sometimes happens where someone suddenly pops. And so an example of that was when we were in um, – when we were in college, there was this one kid who just like he was like he was like fine, he was not that great. And then as soon as college ended, like he all those years of putting together all that work, he suddenly got so good at running. Like he was by far the best of all of us, even though he wasn't one of the top ten of all of us. Because it was just all about putting together that work. And in many ways is the case of entrepreneurship. Right? You see you hear of all these overnight successes, and there are definitely some overnight successes in terms of, you know, a company starts and a year later they're bought out, they're huge or whatever. But many times it's just like a whole body of work and training and just, you know, and sort of continuing with this running metaphor of just of miles put in. Uh, and there are other people, and this is sort of the case we found ourselves in, where it takes, you know, for us it's taken about like uh, five years, six years for us to really hit our stride. And now, like, we are growing more than we've ever grown before in the seven-year history of John G., um, you know, we'll do more revenue this year than we did in 2016, 2017, 2018 combined. Mm-hmm. And it just is, it's been a matter of just like you put in the work year after year, month over month, like day, really week and day after day. And so suddenly you're seeing the work and it's, it's, it's such an interesting phenomenon that sometimes happen that sort of goes against the grain of sort of this media that many people portray like overnight success. And that just hasn't been the case for us, as in the case for, for many people in running. I can speak for, I believe I can speak for my entire audience, especially for myself. I say you just literally spoke to the, the soul of everybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, 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 it really, it, it hit me hard when you were talking because it's, it's so true. It's the embodiment of the work that day in and day out. I mean, there are days, I want people to hear this, there are days that the mundane side of some of the things that I do or the behind the scenes work or like when you're looking at the counting and the financing, <laughs> the other side yeah. of it, you know, or some of the mundane tasks. And you're like, it, honestly, it is sheer will at that point that is taking over or I'm downloading or I'm channeling some part of my soul or another whatever my purpose because like, that mundane it, it can weigh on you but at the same time i would never stop 
I, I couldn't possibly ever even think of stopping. I, I don't have it in me. Not 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 stopping in terms of um, you know, if something's unhealthy, you have to stop. <laughs> but I mean like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the you're right. It's it's the embodiment of the work that when you piece together all those details, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, fifteen years down the road, the culmination of all of that is is the Mona Lisa, is the 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 ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It, it, you just have to embody that work and um, you know, it, it's a, it is a marathon. <laughs> it is definitely, yeah. you're right. you know, you're right. I mean, without a doubt, it, it, it will like, it will tax you. Right. Like, but you know, something that a lot of coaches say is you really, and I think this is totally the case for entrepreneurs and definitely has been the case for John G is you have to enjoy the process, right? You have, you, you can't just sort of think, okay, like I hope to one day run and qualify for the Boston marathon. Right, like that's an okay goal, but it's really about like how do you enjoy all those moments so that you do go out there, you do challenge yourself on that sort of when no one's watching, mm-hmm. on those days in which you know up here in New England it's like it is like absolutely freezing outside in January. You gotta want to like leave the house, right? Or in Scottsdale, it's just so hot yes. in July that you have a marathon coming up or you got a race coming up. You gotta want to be able to like leave the house and just know that that's a process and if you're sort of thinking solely about an exit or you know doing a hundred million dollars in sales and not sort of trying to think about the process and enjoying the process and knowing that when you're going out it's so hot in july in scottsdale or so cold in boston in in january like being able to experience that and and being feeling lucky to be able to do that and finishing afterwards and knowing that like you know your day is better because of that run that you did in those terrible conditions it really has those perils entrepreneurs because there are days where you're like, you're like, Oh God, like things are sort of, we're in trouble now. Right. Or, or, or days where you're just like, Oh, like I work so hard. Like there's these 90 hour weeks. Like when I see the payoff, enjoying those, enjoying the hard parts and enjoying the parts where you're sort of, you feel like you're colliding sort of in accumulation does build you to those, those goals. It's not just setting it that gets you there. That's so true. You know, I um, over the last year, year and a half, I really started embracing the um, the process of becoming, right? That whole yeah. the evolution of if they say really enjoy the process, let's really dissect that and see what that really means. And it's it is an interesting thing about you learn levels and layers of your inner work that start stripping away, and where do you remove force, like forcing outcomes to. Um, you know, to the process of becoming and just allowing and, and enjoying the art that is in every task or art in everything that you do. Yeah. And uh, which at first is not easy. It's a perspective shift. <laughs> you know, it's definitely a perspective shift. Um, but then after a while, you start to ask yourself very important questions. Why am I in a rush? And exactly like, you know, what would it mean to have X, Y and Z? You know, and then and then you start and then you also start seeing things out in the market and you go, ooh, I wouldn't want that to happen. But you saw the, the, <laughs> the result of something going too fast or someone going too fast. You're like, ah, got it. And like you almost realize in a weird way you're protected when you have to do the long game because it's allowing it's it's the whole molding and shaping of you. It really is the process that that makes you. Um, but it's hard. It's hard for a lot of people. I know it was certainly hard for me for a long time to actually think of it in that manner of that capacity, um, because you know, look, you, you can be five, six, seven years deep. <clears throat> you're still like, hey, man, I'm five, six, seven years deep. <laughs> what, yeah. What's going on totally. here? You know, like, totally. yeah, is this right? Is this right? You know, so yeah, it's like I should be on a yacht somewhere, right? Like, isn't that <laughs> what I said? You know, in the original business plan. Uh, no, I, I mean, it, it, it really is one of these things where. There, for us, for Janji, you know, every day we, we, you know, we do want to get better, and I think the success that we've had today is 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 sort of the long, slow buildup of every moment of every day. Just saying, let's get a little better here. Let's get a little better here. How do we take these, you know, this ability here, in sort of sort of continuing with this running metaphor? You know, if if you're if you're hurt when you're running, you should not be running through that pain. Right, like if you if you have like if you have this stress fracture in your hip, like don't keep running. Like you're gonna really like fall off a cliff. Things are gonna get really bad. You're gonna have permanent damage. And there's a case of entrepreneurship too, right? Like 
when they're when you know you are going in like the wrong direction, right? When there's where everything feels wrong, don't you don't always just want to push through, right? You want to sort of adjust and get better every day, maybe pivot a little bit to sort of you know maybe take some take some like a, a weekend away, a breather away, rethink things, and we've gotten much better at that, like thinking, okay. We're in the beginning, we're focused just on flag stuff, just flag stuff with shorts. It's okay. Like, you know, we sort of felt within ourselves and sort of got from the marketplace. This isn't a great idea. Let's not keep pushing in this direction. Let's go and figure out and focus on, on a much more subtle and cohesive way of telling the John G story that's even more inspirational. Um, and that is just a long everyday process of making these changes. And, and in many, in many ways, like getting and rallying the, the the troops behind us is sort of on this this shifted direction, uh, and that's really what it's been about. Like if we had, you know, we so we sometimes joke around, like what if we just started this company two years ago, right? Like we'd be in so much of a better spot. Like you know, we've had all these learnings for the first five years. What if we just started this because we're seeing all this success today, and it doesn't really work that way, right? It's just years and years and years of just accumulation. And, 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 and goodwill from our community and learning and people really believing, of course, in our social cause. And that just getting us slowly to that point of, wow, people are really buying and really accepting this, this company now. I, I want to talk about <clears throat> being socially conscious. There's a lot in there. Um, it's interesting because I almost feel like socially conscious is now becoming more, it's just doing business at least that's my hope that's my hope because more responsibility you know like the i i was uh, a few of my uh, uh buddies are on the the board of conscious capitalism uh, arizona chapter and they were telling me some of the stats on um you know uh, conscious capitalistic companies and how much more profitable and better quality better employees, like peace and happiness and wellness, um, better outcomes for their customers and their clients and better everything overall. Now, <clears throat> you know, it's taken a, taken a, uh, a generation or two to, to kind of <laughs> have to unravel, <laughs> unravel a few things. I, I offer no bias towards any generation. I think there's good in every, and, and then there's, you know, some interesting in every, uh, but I, I feel like it's becoming more of a norm because we are a, well, A, it's a more transparent society, but B, doing good just does really good. Like it's a good thing internally and externally for your entire world. And in the day and age we live in, you're almost weird if you don't because like yeah. you want to be able to A, connect with the audience. It's about building a community around what you are building as a brand and having a movement and a cause embedded in it and showing just how far the impact of that brand can go outside of, you know, we just want to sell clothing. It's like, no, we want to create like worldwide impact and community advocacy, right? I mean, there's just so much in there that I almost feel like, how could you not have that in this day and age, especially, you know, with what, what technology and social has done, right? So I'd, I'd love for you to, and then also talk about, you know, what it really means to actually be a socially conscious brand, because some people might be listening and be like, well, you know, there could be a lot of different um, terminology there. So I'd love for you to expand on that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like today, if you want to have a startup or a brand, you need to just stand for something beyond just like maximizing profits. Because a customer in this transparent world that we live in, in this era of social media, in this era of if you're a new brand, you want to feel like you're, you know, people want to feel like they're part of a community. You need to have something that people feel like you are adding to the world, not just adding to your own bottom line. And so, yeah, uh, any company today needs to have that sort of social benefit part of it. And that takes, you know, that takes like numerous different types of manifestations in terms of how that actually plays out. For, for us, it has been so wrapped in our DNA since day one. Uh, we started this company because we felt that in running, there is running apparel. There was no other brand that had any sort of social consumer message in an industry running where like every freaking race is for some sort of charity cause, right? Now that was that was really fundamentally how we started John Jay, how we thought about John Jay's. Okay, using running as this vehicle for good. 
And what we realized over time is like, that is absolutely important. But customers, customers care about this, but they care about the quality and they care about the branding and they care about the price first. And so over time, you know, we think that when we got this company started, we had an okay product and today we have a great product, right? We think that in the beginning we had an okay, you know, sort of brand image. And now we have like a really cool, very distinct point of view brand image because, because people today do expect like every new startup to have some sort of social good component pretty much. Uh, now it's just commonplace and expected. And you have to have, you really have to have all those other components of what makes a great brand, a great company, a great service to part and build around that social good component. Mm. And, you know, it's so well put and it's true. And, you know, and it's also an, it's an evolutionary process of the brand too. I mean, there's so much you want to do as a brand, but you also have to grow into that <laughs> because that, requi- yeah. you know, that yeah. requires uh, like for what you guys have done, you know, from everything from choosing your design work and materials, then also then actually going into the countries. Let's not uh, like take away from the fact that that takes some capital uh, and then yeah. when you get a little. Yeah, it really does. It's right? a huge capital expense for us. Right. And reinvesting that like that. That's the part that you know, people on social media might see like, man, they're in this country now. Look at these guys. You're like, you realize that they're probably living off of nothing. Just reinvest all of their <laughs> funds back into like going to these places. They're not. You're seeing the end content you're not seeing what they're living off of, <laughs> you know, just yeah. to make a dream happen, yeah. right? Um, let's talk about, I think that's incredible. You So you're going into a, a different country for each season. Is that what that is? Is that what, was that what I saw that you, uh, when I read that? Yeah, that's totally spot on. Like I want, I want so to hear more about season. that. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you described it perfectly. Every single season, we go to a different country around the world. And with that country, we are working with local artists. We're visiting, speaking to people, telling stories. And really the goal with Janji is how do we showcase this country? Because we want to highlight the fact that we think that, you know, there is a lot more that is similar about us than separate about us, you know, on a global level. We think that, that there is beauty everywhere and the best way to explore the world is through running, right? The, the best way to sort of go and when you're on a trip and get out there and go for a run, see sort of these 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 paths, these these alleyways that other tourists don't go on. And so, for instance, last spring we did Cambodia. So we went to Cambodia you know, with these artists. We designed a line around there, and then with every season, five percent sales funding a clean water project in that in that country. And so 5% of the Cambodian sales goes back to our funding clean water project in Cambodia. And then for our, our latest line, we did Mexico. Um, and our goal with Mexico is how do we showcase that this is really like a beautiful country with beautiful people and amazing stories. So we went in there, we worked with this really great artist. Her name was M.A. And uh, she designs these beautiful these beautiful paintings actually she even does like makes rugs out of these these paintings and murals and they're all inspired by sort of these traditional mexican pieces and so if you go on our site so if you go to runjanji.com and you look at the singlets uh you'll see some of these amazing beautiful singlets that she designed and it's a way of really showcasing these incredible artists all around the world and showcasing the amazing people amazing connections that we found through running and then you know we've, we've done we've done kenya we've done peru we've done uganda nepal we've really explored all around all around the world yeah i've had um i've had your site open i was uh i was tagging it earlier it's just uh, it's it's cool it's really cool what you guys are doing um and you know that how does the community, how has the community really, you know, understood the whole process too of, of like you constantly documenting and showing, okay, here's where 5% of the proceeds are going. Here's where the water is going. Like, are they a part of that? Do they, they get to see kind of the, the, the outcomes as well? They do. Yeah. I think what we want to do is to highlight how people are helping. And we do that through sort of showcasing. We send out these emails sort of showcasing how much we've done. And I'll just give you a small example of how impactful our community is. So we have this program, it's called Janji Collective. And the way that it works is that 
when a runner joins John Deere Collective, they spend $50 to join and they get a, a, um, a free John Deere singlet. They get really access to products. They get $150 off all these trips that we run around the world. Hmm. And then probably the coolest thing is that that $50 that they do to join, that goes all toward clean water. That's every awesome. every penny of what comes to us goes right to clean water. And you know, our community has raised over just through this through this program over seventy thousand dollars in the past year going toward funding clean water projects mm. all around the world. And you know, we sort of highlight that be okay, well what does this mean? Well this means like forty thousand people in Nepal now get access to clean water. These school children in these rural areas in Nepal now get access to clean water. And it's really like a powerful thought, right? Because Running in a way is like very selfish, right? Like you're going out for a run, you're leaving, it becomes meditative to people, you're working towards some sort of goal. But if you feel with running that actually like it's this tool of connection, it's this tool of you're making the world like a little bit of a better place every time that you go out there, that's kind of what we stand for. And that really comes from using running as this 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 way of sort of highlighting the beauty and sort of connecting sort of larger parts of humanity because, you know, I, I know, Matt, you said you're not that much of a runner, but we think that we can all run. Whether you live in Nepal or whether you live in Bolivia or you live in, in Cambodia or Mexico, like you have the ability to run, and that's sort of this, this, this bridging tool for us. And that's kind of what the, that collective piece is about. True. Well, you know, um, not a runner as in I wake up every morning going to run, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but, but blessed uh, for li liking and appreciating activity. And since I do stay active and I hike, I mean, I'm out in Arizona, so, you know, hiking is, is everywhere here. Um, the ability for, Beautiful for, hiking for around there. yeah, Beautiful. right. So the, so the, the ability for endurance, no problem. But I mean, you know, I, but I've got buddies that, uh, and friends that, that run. So it's like, you know, every now and then I'm like, all right. I'll do the first mile with you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, what I'm but, talking about. But, but you know, it starts with the first mile. Starts with the first mile, right? right? It, it, everything does, right? You know, but yeah. I, I was just, I was just looking at John G Collective on uh, on the website, and it's really cool what you're doing because I love the fact that you're tying running to a purpose. You're bringing community in it, and then you're saying like, hey, you know, membership truly in this case does have its benefits because you're coming into a community and driving that money directly into clean water right past us like that's not even an us thing uh, we already have clothing for that like we're just but we're just trying to band everybody together around a cause and i just feel like it's just done so well i'm just looking i was scrolling down a little bit while you were talking i mean it's just done so well and sometimes i yeah. sometimes i feel bad when when other companies they, they don't get it but then again i i think it's again just because they're in the forcing stage of the charity and wanting to, to be conscious versus just no, it's just a part of already who we are. Like, so go to the core of the parts that already are, and how do you rally more people around that and have conversations around that, which you guys are doing with all this. So, it's 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 amazing, man, what you guys are doing. Um, anybody listening, just go check out Johnji Collective on runjaji.com. It's really cool. Um, I wanted to ask you about because you are not only uh, socially conscious, you're globally you know, out that you're globally known, you're, you're doing all kinds of different things. How are you seeing fashion change in approach? Because, um, you know, like last week we had, uh, an, uh, an amazing guest, uh, who, you know, is really into the carbon footprint. Um, and I didn't realize that, especially because of fast fashion, how right. like that's the second largest pollutant in the world yep. out behind. What was it behind? Was it oil or was it, was it behind? I don't know. The second largest pollutant was from fast fashion or from fashion in general, but fast fashion was a big contributor. My God. <laughs> like, I know. I, I had I know. No it's, idea. Really, it's embarrassing. Right. It really I, is. It's like clothing should not be like the right? second biggest polluters of, our earth and our, and our waterways it's really bad like i i couldn't even i can't even comprehend to you to your point right there how clothing which by the way in is is lacking in some uh some really tough uh parts of the world is yeah. a you know the second largest pollutant but i mean in general how do you feel like whether from an you know an uh environmental an economic or just in in general from a marketing like how do you think you know fashion is changing globally from what you've seen just from being embedded in in the fashion world but from a very specific niche yeah i mean first of all on this whole this whole piece of sustainability i mean one thing that's been really encouraging and really cool is that there have been so many companies so many people 
and uh, so many designers who have really taken it upon them to sort of, you know, hold the mantle and take more responsibility toward creating a, a much more sustainable supply chain, right? Not just focusing on tons of virgin plastic, creating tons of waste, like really, you know, making, you know, the, the carbon footprint and, and the impact on, on, our, on our world much less through fashion. And I think that I think it has gotten a lot better in the last few years. And I think customers are totally catching up on this. And customers are really leading the drive and saying, "Hey, I want something that that actually isn't going to ruin, you know, the, the earth for future generations." Uh, and so it's been something that's been that's honestly been really encouraging to see. And for, you know, for Johnji, you know, we make sure all of our factories are certified by people like Blue Rave, who um, who make sure that we're not creating water waste and we're not you know, uh, employing in really bad uh, situations and people who work for us. Uh, and we also are really moving toward a much more sustainable fabric choice. So, for instance, um, last season we, we used a little too many virgin fabrics as we had done throughout the history of Janji, and we've moved toward almost all of our pieces, almost all of our, our, our supply chain. When it's made synthetic, it is recycled. And so all of our, our, our polyester pieces have 88% recycled polyester, and that is so important. And then if we have our red packer pieces, which is made with Pima cotton cotton and alpaca wool, and that alpaca wool and that Pima cotton is all sustainably sourced, and that's incredibly important for us. And then I think like in this industry at large, what we're seeing, and, and you see it when you look at the, 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 you know, the stock price of Azara or whatever their parent company is called, and H&M, like, People want less of that fast fashion. I think that's. I think we want something that has permanence and durability, something that we don't need to throw away two weeks later, but something that has the ability to, to sort of ha- have the long haul with the pieces that you're wearing. And as a customer, that's so important for me with who I buy. I don't want something that is just going to be thrown away and, and you know, not even given away after that. Uh, I want something that, that will have the ability to, let's say, if I were to go on a trip around the world, I'd put this in my my suitcase and I'd be wanting to wear it every single every single day and it will hold up the whole time. And uh, it's, 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 I think it's really encouraging. I think it's encouraging that we've seen this trend really emerge over the last few years and I think it's only growing. And I think we see it with almost every major fashion brand. I think we definitely see it in the outdoor running space. You know, it's interesting. So I, I agree with you. Um, I, I feel like in a lot of ways, there's a lot of, I don't even want to call them trends because trends come and go, but um, yeah. there's a lot of, but there's a lot of that activity in the market where people are going back to quality, back to things that last longer, back to minimalism, back to awakening, health and wellness, grounding themselves, more nature in the running and in, in that aspect all the way to, yeah. you know, the fashion like, hey, I, I don't need a closet full of like all kinds of stuff, but like the stuff that I do have, I want that quality and just good old reliable stuff that I don't even have to think about because I love having it and I love wearing it, you know, um, I just I feel like we're living a really good time in that case. Hey, yeah, the media might show a little bit otherwise, but, but, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a little crazy if you turn on the TV. But um, but yeah, other than that, I, I think we're in a in a in a, in a great time. Um, one of the things I wanted to ask you uh, as well is, you know, you got and this is I think a perfect question for you um, because you didn't come from fashion, commerce, or you know, retail in general, you came from sports, you were in college studying something different, and then you ended up um, building a brand in commerce, in fashion, in retail. Um, What advice would you give to other people who are thinking about doing the same? They're in the beginning stages. Um, Clearly, they still have to go through the you know, the, the obstacle course that is entrepreneurship of building, (laughs) building a, a a retail brand or a commerce brand. But if you could give any advice that, you know, or several key points of, of note to look out for, to think through, what would they be? Yeah. I, I mean, the industry that we're in is not easy, right? This isn't sort of a, an industry that has, uh, a, a huge barrier to entry. 
it's not an industry that has, uh, you know, in many ways, great cash flow. You know, you have these huge season productions. Um, but it's an industry that I think has in so many ways rewards, right? Like I can't tell you sort of this dopamine hit that I get every time I see someone wearing John Jay. It's really exciting, you know, and now like luckily in Boston, that happens like more regularly than it used to, you know, most times I go for a run in, in, in Boston, if I'm going on, let's say like the, the main, the main running paths, I'll see someone wearing John Jay, which is, which is really cool. You have to know that it's going to be like a really hard and long road to get there. Uh, it's a road in which that's, you know, sort of classically uh, has tons of hazards. It's very treacherous. And that, you know, I think a few things would really help, you know, finding great mentors. Like we've been so fortunate to find and to, to work with amazing mentors that have helped us get from A to B and sort of keep us sane along, along the path. I, the other thing is, uh, I think it's not the worst idea when starting your company is to have a job that's generally in the industry mm-hmm. uh, and to learn from the best and sort of see where the pitfalls are. And then the third thing is to be realistic, right? I mean, you know, one thing that we, one thing I think we did in the beginning with John is we estimated the 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 running shorts market in these running stores all over the country to be to be like thirty million dollars. And we're like, oh, like it's probably much bigger than that. But that's nothing to worry about. But it was about thirty million dollars, right? It's not like a major market to enter in these running specialty stores. And that was like the core of our business plan in the beginning. It was to go after these running stores, and the market just wasn't big. Now we've since pivoted to be much more on the direct side. We work with REI, which is an amazing partner. They're bigger than like all of our other stores basically combined. And, and to, to sort of be honest with those numbers and that market plan is so important because, you know, if you think that you do the research and you're like, oh, it's, I'm sure it's actually much bigger or, our, oh, hey, we'll actually like do, you know, we'll, if we just get 1% of, of, of this massive Chinese market, we'll be okay. It doesn't quite work that way. And I think those three things would have helped us a lot in the beginning and has helped us as we sort of have like, you know, worked on these mentors and worked on being more realistic. Um, but it's, uh, the most important thing to know is that, you know, even if it takes a while in the beginning, if you're constantly making these getting better every day, you know, it, it, the company, your life, the product, it does get better every day, slowly, but surely. I think it's, um, lots of mad respect to you for the fact that, you use the word realistic in its appropriate um, capacity. Be realistic about where you're at, like what's really going on, what the market really looks like. But it didn't deter you from the dream and from the vision, because a lot of well, you know, because a lot of times people will hear be realistic and they're like, oh, like it won't work. It's like no, 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 no. Like understand the variables like so if we're dealing with only 30 million and we believe in this it's in our gut so there's air there's layers yet we can't see we're going to still move forward knowing these numbers but at some point we're going to have to diversify or make some sort of a pivot or find some other partners or expand in other areas of the brand see and that's the part i like that what you did there because a lot of times you know because people separated you know we got to dream big but you gotta be realistic. And they made both of those words such like evil, <laughs> you know, like, like the villain yeah. in a lot of ways, like, Oh, you're, you're too big of a dreamer. Like, Oh, you're not realistic. Or, you know, you gotta be realistic. And if in being realistic meant not working, it's like, no, 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 no. You have to know the variables of where you're at, the reality, realistic, but so you can play with whatever capacity you can in that area and then know when is it time to expand in other areas or be um, innovative in your approach because you've exhausted the current area of the reality of what you have, right? Yep. That's what. I, that's why I have such respect for you. That is like, oh, okay, cool, and we know uh, what we're dealing with here, and then we'll have to make some decisions later on. Um, so, <laughs> mad respect. I'm sure it doesn't always sound like that when you're going through it, <laughs> but but uh, but I give a lot of respect to, it and I, I just I wanted to point it out to anybody listening that you know. Be careful of those words, you know, dream big and reality and the, and being realistic because there's there's a lot of gray area in there 
Um, you want to have a big vision. The how doesn't really always reveal itself until you start doing. And you have to be yep. realistic about it, where everything is, just so you know how to move, not necessarily to quit, just so you know how to make moves, right? right? Um, that's incredible. What, what do you guys have coming up? Like, what's next for you guys? Yeah, so it's you know it's a busy holiday season. Right. Um, this is this is like by far the we're like we're like in sort of clothing brand, right? This is our like this is our Super Bowl, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> and you know what we have coming up is we're really investing in this in Jaji Collective, and we're investing in telling these stories from around the world. We've got all these trips, so we've got trips coming up in in uh, Mexico, in Patagonia. We just had one in Vermont. We're going to do one in Peru really focus on actually like taking the brand and, and bringing the community in person and, and, and people meeting each other and exploring the world through running. And then the big thing is like, how do we create, and this is sort of like a big, big hairy goal, right? How do we create the world's biggest running community? That's what, that's what we want John G. Collective to be. We want, the, we want John G. Collective to be the world's biggest running community. And doing everything that we can to sort of use that community to make the world a better place and to inspire, you know, people everywhere. I love it, and uh, I mean, community is my whole my whole play. <laughs> you know, it's my whole <laughs> it's my whole it's my whole play, and uh, um, and in people just I I want especially brands and companies understand the power there is behind community it's it's fierce they don't even realize that they're themselves the owners of these companies that aren't building community are already a part of a community several communities in their lives daily they don't even realize like but the power of community is everything in in building um uh building a brand and and the funny thing is outside of the humanitarian side what people also don't realize is the amount of data that comes out of a community is incredible. They're your test yeah. markets. They're your like your go tos. They're like, hey, we just launched this. Oh, you know, they're your customer service like pivots. They're you know, hey, what do you guys think of these? Uh, we're gonna launch them to you first, you know. But what's your take? I mean, they're your your market analysis and data and brand advocacy all rolled up into one. I mean, there's just so much gold in community that it's ridiculous to me to any brand that doesn't do that. So I, again, mad respect to you guys for doing that. I think you're totally right. Any brand that doesn't have a community, develop one, right? I mean, right. Especially if you're like a startup. I mean, that's, that's, where, that's where we get all of our best customer feedback from is from our community. Like these initiatives that we undertake, these trips that we go on, these countries that we work through, like, it really all stems from the community and getting that sort of that that that, that really fast responsive and, and most importantly honest feedback loop is what's really helped us to get better and better and better. An example would be like our running shorts. Like our running shorts in the beginning were fine. Uh, they sold okay, they sold well. And through feedback from the running community, through what our John Dick community, um, we added all these features and now the shorts were named runners world editor's choice for the best shorts they have for men and women which has never been done before mm. and so you know our product our brand our what we do it really is from listening to the community and we would be totally bankrupt out of business if it weren't for them right you know it just it, again it, it the, the power that that community plays that that role um, like you said, any, any startup that doesn't do it, you know, <laughs> start it, start it. <laughs> well, you know, a lot, a lot of people, I never, I didn't, I've had people in my community ask to speak more publicly about exactly like what happened to me several years ago. And, it, but I, so being a part of the startup in the tech world and around VCs and, and, and everything like with growth marketing and all that stuff years ago, it was just, I split from, I do it, but I split from it because, um, you know, my role, especially whether I was a part of startup or with working with startups was the growth marketing side. And that's where everybody's impatient because you'd have engineers and people who would create the company and they'd be like, yeah, I did my part. There's my result. Now go make it happen. I'm like, well, you should have been already creating the community while building. Right. And they'd be like, oh, so you can't do it. I'm like, that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> that is not what I am saying at all. And it just, it got so much after a while that I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show all of you guys exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to be, I'm going to do it completely void of all of you. I'm going to actually go build communities online. I'll show you exactly what I'm talking about, which takes time. But it was like, it was an interesting, they just couldn't understand the, the power of connection 
through through content digital media but you can we're in a day and age where you can connect with the world globally in a particular uh, subject matter such as running for a cause with um you know and and uh using socially a conscious brand of clothing and having conversations and then that turns into meetups and then it turns into charities and it turns into you know market research i mean the, the opportunities are endless when you do it you know especially when especially when you go into a niche like running and clothing and apparel and you know and then you start it just <laughs> it fascinates me when when brands don't do it and so again like uh uh kudos to you for for doing it and for curating it and for constantly expanding on it so hopefully as i'm sure that there's plenty of runners actually i know there's plenty of runners that listen to us because we've got a pretty big health and wellness community too like uh, people in health and wellness listening so i encourage everybody listening to just go ahead and get in contact with you <laughs> just yeah. go. Hey, and i'm always just like you i'm always available david runjanji.com we love feedback Perfect. You know, we love, we love, we would love to have you part of the community. Where, where can everybody get a hold of you or like, whether you or the brands and like, where can they find out about everything, you know, John G online? Yeah. So our website is runjohnji.com mm-hmm. and for your listeners, um, hustle 20, you can get into hustle 20 for 20% off a uh, future John G order. And you know, you can also keep in touch with us through Instagram at Runjanji. Same with Twitter at Runjanji, and really shoot me a line. I mean, I am here to sort of listen to feedback, to get in touch, to to I think grow this this, this entrepreneurial community because, like I was saying, you know, I was helped so much from the people who I talked to, the mentors who I talked to, and if I can ever be of any help, any help to anyone in in, in your community, I would love to do it. Um, I would love to be a part of sort of what, what you're building and, and really, you know, help make the world a little bit easier for people who are, who are building, who are growing, who are going through that sort of grind. Absolutely, man. Well, you know, uh, and you've probably heard me say this to, to others, uh, as a guest, you're welcome back on the show anytime. It's a journey driven podcast. So we Thanks. all, we, and we all know how th- fast things change. So I'm sure a few months from now you'll have a, a ton more stories or another topic you'd like to discuss. Um, you're welcome back on anytime. Um, thank you. I love that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I truly appreciate the, the, the clothes that you sent. The, the sweater man was so comfortable in those pants. Dude. <laughs> I'm telling you, everywhere I go, you're like, hey, like, I like those. Like, what's up? Where'd you get them? You know, and they, sometimes they think it's like streetwear. I'm like, nah, man, like, just, you know, it's John G. Go check it out. Run John G. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for, for being on the show and, um, you know, uh, I'll make sure the community is strong. You know, they, they might reach out to you. Um, you know, feel free you guys, you, you know, you can find run Johnji, uh, J N J I run Johnji.com, which is also run Johnji on Insta. And, um, and you know, uh, I won't inundate David that way. I won't do that to him, but like, I'm sure there's <laughs> ways you can find him online and you can reach out to him or, or do you have any like personal social media accounts that you, you manage for yourself that you like people to reach out to? I actually don't. That's no, okay. I'm okay. A, I'm off of uh, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Keep it to John G. You're you're good to go. Just just uh you know own the assets, but you know, do your thing. So, um, David, thank you so much for being on. Truly, uh, is is amazing having you on finally, and uh, I'm glad we got to connect more, and we'll continue to connect. I'll, I'll I'll connect with you here offline here in a minute, but um, you know, just truly appreciate you having you come on and share your story and, and all that you guys are doing. And I, I think it's a, an amazing brand that like really um, to have had the kind of impact that you've had. It sounds funny to you and I when I say, uh, or well, to the world when I say this early on. But to you and I, we know it's still very young. At seven years, you're still very young. So um, looking forward to seeing how much more you guys come up with. Thank you, Matt. This has been a, it's been a total pleasure. I love this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody listening, go check out. Uh, so David Span- Spandorfer, um, co-founder and CEO of Janji, uh, runjanji.com, R-U-N-J-A-N-J-I. Awesome, awesome clothing, especially for your runners. You do not have to be a runner. I am not a runner. And I love it. I love the clothes. Uh, and uh, and check it out. Um, and then uh, you said, I'll put in the show notes. You, you, did you mention a code? So, hustle, right? Was that? Yeah, Hustle 20. Hustle 20. I'll, guys, I'll make sure to put it in the show notes. Uh, so you guys can use that at checkout if you want. Um, just check out the, the show notes if you need, if you can't remember. But otherwise, uh, you know, 
feel free to just reach out or DM or text. You guys know we're, we're all on it. So, and I appreciate, so for David Spendover, for myself, Matt Gossman, and for the Hustle Sold separately, we'll see you guys next time. We're out.